Podcast. We're your hosts once again, Matt Strontrick, myself, Peter from Durham. Uh, this is episode number 12, I believe, or 11. Episode number 11. 11. Today we're going to talk about microplastics in an environment and some issues that men face today. So, some men's health issues and microplastics. Yeah, so whoever watches the podcast and listens, thank you guys. Keep, uh, keep subscribing, keep listening, keep sharing it with your friends if you can. We kind of really want to grow organically, so we appreciate all the comments and subscribers and everything else that you guys do for us thank you so today's topic um, we talked about microplastics so when we think about plastics we think that we consume it on the outside but we don't realize how plastics might be ingested inside of us so there's a study from the environmental science technology that shows that um, americans are eating drinking and breathing in an estimated of 24,000 to 121,000 microplastics each year and it all depends on age and gender, but most of them is from plastic bottles and whatever we're storing food in, the plastic is shedding into our food. Yeah, when you bring up microplastics, the first thing that comes to my mind is like the ocean and fish and seals digesting plastics, they're getting stuck in them. But what we fail to realize is that the microplastics also affect us from decom- decomposition when it goes into the air or just through the like Matt said, through water bottles, through tap water, things that we drink. There's plastic in the air from decomposition and then we also ingest plastic because we put things in plastic. And it gets decomposed into the ocean as well, what people are doing to recycle. And the fish are, you know, eat, consuming this. There's a scientific study that shows that 114 uh, marine life species that we consume, more than half of them end up on our dinner plate, which contain microplastics. And another crazy caveat is if you consume um, water bottles versus tap water, you're consuming an additional 90,000 microplastics a year. Yeah, something we really disregard. Plastic has, plastics are something new, like I remember, or not, actually I don't remember, but we used to put Coca-Cola in glass bottles, we used to put drinks in glass bottles, everything used to be glass, and then we found this great new material, plastic, I'm not even sure what's, what's it made out of, it's just called plastic. It's and cheap and it's reusable. Yeah, cheap and reusable, but we don't really reuse it too much. We do now. Um, back in the day, it was kind of just thrown out and it kind of sat there, but now you can melt it down and make whatever you want of it. But a lot of it gets thrown in the ocean. And like Matt said, fish eat this, animals eat this, and we end up eating these animals and we get the plastic they ingest also goes into our bodies. Yeah, and the question you got, you guys might have for us is what happens to our body when we consume this and what are the side effects? Unfortunately, as of now, there is no correlation between humans and microplastics. So there's no evidence that shows that this is harmful but we know for sure that it could cause issues in, for example, marine life. So they studied the effects of microplastics in like um, fish, and it showed a few different things like um, endocrine disruption, um, um, immunocompromised stress response from the immune system, um, obstruction from the gills and creating lesions like in the bowel, cardiotoxicity, muscle toxicity, and even liver toxicity. So if this is happening into fish, and for the most part, we're, we're very complex, but if there's some kind of effect, then it's gonna affect us for sure. We just don't know it yet, just like Bluetooth and everything else with these emerging technologies. Yeah, it's very interesting, because this is something new that's going on with these animals. And hopefully we don't get to the point where we develop 
these illnesses that these animals do because a lot of people are now pushing more for more environmental friendly things and more for the ecosystem so maybe we'll never find out yeah what well, plastic was which would be ideal but maybe there is something small going on now hopefully it doesn't ruin something big but you just never know well they're saying that if you consume plastic products they have bph so now all these plastics have like bph free labels and what was it well we knew that when it was getting released and we consumed it it uh, messed with our estrogen and it affects testosterone which is something we'll talk about so there's definitely something going on and when i was looking this up into like the marine like um, there was a national geographic research and it showed these little sh like see-through shrimp that these microplastics were like hanging out in their gut and they couldn't get rid of them so there's something up yeah i mean they can't get rid of them it's actually interesting that they're so small so they're easier to study so you could see how things travel through their whole... Well, the, whole yeah, they're, they're see-through cool. and they kind of shine the light and they kind of showed these plastics just hanging around. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting how you said that it affects estrogen. So I put with these such issues that that can do some harm. It can. What's the topic that we're going to talk about after our current health trend here? Well, the main... Well, it's June, so it's Men's History Month and I believe we're approaching Men's... Or not Men's History Month men's health month and i believe we're approaching men's health week which is another another week in, in june that's also focused on men's health but um in 2019 the things that plagued men the most with issues is testosterone prostate and skin issues heart disease liver disease suicides and diabetes and i think a lot of a lot of times um, we hear breast cancer awareness month we see a lot of things are getting we see a lot of women's issues getting put uh like mainstream, they're getting a lot of focus, and I feel like men's issues aren't as like prevalent. We're we're being kind of tucked away. We're not society not seeing us the things that we're struggling with. So here we're de developing a whole episode, and there's a week and a month for men just to kind of bring awareness that hey, we're we like to think we're very strong and very resilient, but just like women, we're very prevalent to diseases as well. Yeah, I don't think it's not necessarily society's fault that men are plagued with these issues, it's more of like we feel like we're the backbone of society in most times and we see ourselves as um, like like untouchable almost. We don't want to admit to all vulnerabilities. We don't want to say, hey, I'm sick, hey, we're sick because that gives like a feeling that we can't provide. And I think that's one of the main reasons why these things are addressed as often because we're not willing to come forward with these issues when we have them. That's what it is. Men do not go to the doctors. They do not get checked up, they don't do anything prevention of. Usually they, they end up when they, they have some very killer abdominal pain or some crazy chest pain that they can't handle and they have to go to the ER. And that's when that happens. There's never like a little prevention of, oh, let me, you know, do a stress test or let me kind of check my lab, lab results and see how my diet is. None of that is even acknowledged. It's all about just work, work, work. And we're these strong, freaking resilient people because we created society in a way and everything that happened, the wars that we fought and we're just, we have like this reputation that we have to be strong and unvulnerable and all that. Yeah. And unfortunately when shit hits the fan, you know, it's, it's a hard and a lot of times you can't recover or it's too late. And then you look back on, hey, if I wasn't just so egotistic or if I would have like corrected this issue in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. You know, you see a lot of times back pain, you know, people, men just deal with back pain all the time and then you know, they deal with it for years and years and years and next thing they know is they have like a herniated disc or they have something happen where it's unrepairable now or they, they need spinal surgery if compared to if they would have came five years ago where they could have just 
got some alignments, some stretches, and they would have been fine. That would be interesting to see like the prevalence of male injuries in the gym and see what like what are the issues. If there was like a herniated disc, was it, was it like a tendon that was kind of stretched? Because I feel like there's a lot of ego in the gym too and like people don't use belts properly and safety machines or just kind of like let's lift the most weight so let's be like the biggest gorilla here and kind of pounding your chest and stuff like that but that's not what it's about yeah well speaking of being a big gorilla touch on testosterone yeah uh so testosterone we looked up and it was like number one uh issue for men that's because our testosterone peaks uh throughout our life and it starts to decrease in our 30s and Unfortunately, with that decrease, that's our male sex hormone. We're going to see the most drastic changes with that being decreased. Just like women, when they go through menopause, they have a drastic decline in estrogen. I'm pretty sure. Right? Or I'm pretty sure they, they decrease estrogen. So, like, yes. that's kind of, you could kind of view it as like male menopause. And it's like the, it's also the sex hormone. So, when you, we say that, there's like a, there's like a little fad that says men think about sex more often than women. Well, essentially can be true in some aspect because we have a higher amounts of testosterone and it's in charge of like, you know, our like sexual characteristics. Yeah. And there is certain illnesses and certain genetic issues that naturally you will have low testosterone. And a lot of times with that, they'll put you on testosterone, um, like therapy, replacement therapy. Yeah. Um, that's, you need that at that point in time because you need that to grow you need to, de to develop to de develop muscles to develop mentally physically you need to testosterone yeah. well some of us are plagued with like borderline testosterone which might affect like you a little bit here and there yeah the part. and testosterone is even um in charge of red blood cell production so it's kind of it's kind of crazy and usually we think that testosterone declines after 30. we're starting to see it more prevalent we're not seeing high amounts of testosterone because of the way we're exposed to all the like this um, environmental uh, characteristic, or not characteristics, but like um, stimuli that's affecting our testosterone. So, and I personally wanted to get my testosterone checked too once. I went to the doctor. I'm like, hey, can I get my testosterone checked? Because I was asking for like the you know electrolytes and cholesterol and that. Mm -hmm. First thing she asked me, she's like, do you have your um, like erectile dysfunction or do you have a hard time you know getting it up? And I had to. I was like thinking, like, should I lie about it? It's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna lie about it. I'm like, I'm fine. She's like, well, then there's no need to take the test. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I really want to get my T-test. Mm -hmm. They're just curious sometimes. And like, usually, I don't know why, but a lot of times they won't, they won't test for it unless they see some kind of issue, which I mean, it's like, kind of just like, it's my body. Why can't you just, you just run the test? I'm gonna pay for it anyways. The insurance will pay for it. Yeah. And you're gonna pay the insurance company. But testosterone, if you have low testosterone, you're naturally gonna have a lower, lower sex drive. Um, if you're borderline, that might happen as well. But the thing is upon curious is like, you get start to get lower testosterone and lower sex drive um, after your 30s. But then I remember seeing online where it's like the highest prevalence of like a, uh, HIV and STDs are in like with old people in nursing homes. So if they're in their, in their 60s and 70s and they're, you know, they're pumping it out, you know, like it's kind of like kind of weird, right? If you think about it, it is weird. Like it's, you're supposed to lose your sex drive when you get older, but these guys are hammering out in nursing homes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty interesting. Is that what you've seen? Is that what you heard? That's, I mean, it's not what I've seen, but that's why I read online because I'm into that kind of stuff, you know. So. Right. Another thing that is a sign and symptom of low testosterone is um, alopecia. Am I pronouncing that right? Mm. That's basically baldness. So if you're starting to lose hair, if you're starting to realize that something is not part of the aging process where you're very young, 
you should maybe get your testosterone checked because it might be, you know, causing issues. Yeah, it could be attributed to testosterone, but there is like early onset baldness too that unfortunately some, some people deal with, yeah. And sometimes when I, you know, look at my hair, sometimes I feel like I'm balding, but I don't think I am. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, but there is early onset baldness. There might not be exact. So if you're balding or you're bald, doesn't mean you have low testosterone. It just might be. It might can be, be a sign or symptom, yeah. not directly correlated. So there's other things you have to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Low testosterone is also attributed to like low mood, um, like less excitement doing things that you normally were excited with in the past um, and also more fatigue and uh, like memory uh, issues which I mean they kind of I mean I'm not sure I'm not, it's, I'm not. Like, it's like that masculine yeah. energy it's like as a man you should be having like this vital force energy and you know we're like the creators and the movers and that energy should be you know representative of you so if you're like one of these people that are like just withdrawn and rather just sit at home and not do anything then that could be you know, it could be maybe whatever depression or excellent that all that, but it could be testosterone that's linking this. So yeah, like if, if you have a hard time finding pleasure in, in doing things, uh, you might have low testosterone. You might not want to hop on the SSRIs right away. You might want to just get your teeth, your, your teeth checked. You know, maybe that's just low. Maybe you just need to just boost up a little bit. Maybe you don't really need to hop on like testosterone replacement therapy. Maybe you could just do certain activities that might boost, boost testosterone. Maybe change some stuff up. Yeah, you know. But I think it's with the fatigue, like you said, it's attributed. It could be attributed to like the uh, low red blood cells that also attributes to the low testosterone. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you have less like nutritious, you know, oxygen rich rich blood. Yeah, and that's why uh, athletes kind of take um, steroids because they're anabolic. They produce more red blood cells, and if you think about it, you have more red blood cells to carry oxygen and all that, and that's you know boosting you up. And a lot of these. Um, I don't know who dopes, but usually like the um, cyclists mm. that we've heard of. Armstrong. Arnold. Arnold? Is that his name? I think so, yeah, it is. Um, people also go work out like the mountains too, right? So that makes your oxygen, well, that, that, that's kind of different from this, but I know when they go work out in the mountains and the altitude is higher. I, th I think if you're born in higher altitudes, yeah. you have more red blood cells because yeah. you have a higher oxygen demand naturally. Yeah. So that's something that's very um, environmental based. Yeah, it's why people work out like out of the before they fight. You know, they 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 work out higher up in elevation because when they come down to elevation, it's a little bit easier for them because you got more oxygen. Available yeah. To Didn't you hear about that for like soccer players before they play like some really big game? They need to go there like two days prior or a couple days before to train, probably just to adjust to everything. You know. Yeah, I heard those soccer players, and I think some of the swimmers might have done it, or somebody, some some Olympians did it. I know that for sure. And I mean, it, it, I mean, if they're doing it, it's probably has some kind of effect to it, you know. Yeah. Another thing for tips for men: if you're really into the gym, you're working out, you're like struggling to get muscle mass, you're eating, you're sleeping enough, every, all these factors that are tying into proper growth, and you're still not growing adequately then maybe you might have like a testosterone imbalance that's causing you to have increased fat mass and decreased um, muscle mass. Something to look into. Yeah, I mean, it's something to look into too as well. And that, and working out itself improves the testosterone levels, but you might just be, you know, below the baseline. And even though the gym's bringing you up to a little bit higher elevation of the testosterone, you still might be short. Yeah. And you still might be getting the gains that you, that you think so. You know, but gains over time, you know, it's a little bit each time. Don't expect, you know, to build like two pounds of muscle within like the like the first week or first weeks of working out or the first first month is a gradual increase. Like yeah, don't fall in the in like the thinking that hey I'm not. It's like growth science. Yeah, don't be both sides about it. That it's, it's like hey my testosterone must be low because I'm not getting as much gains as I did last month or 
I gain more, you know, when I first started out, I'm getting that, I'm plateauing. It's probably not just testosterone, you probably just, you switch up the workout a little bit. Yeah. It's muscle memory, eventually whatever you're working out, your body gets used to it and it develops a routine and you just need more stimuli to make that muscle grow. It's just like five by five, I found it very, very good for me. I've grown, I gained a lot of strength, my deadlifts went up, my squats went up, but eventually months into the workout, I just like crashed, like I plateaued, you know, I dropped the weights, whatever, I took like the week off, went back into it, and I'm just like plateauing. And my nervous system probably is just so used to this and you just need a different type of workout. So now I'm doing like a higher rep range and all that, so. Yeah, and guys, if you find yourself in a lower testosterone level or borderline where you don't really need placement therapy, we, we got a few ideas that you guys could do, like Matt said, um, you know, exercise regularly, get a well-balanced well -balanced diet, you gotta get nutrition from somewhere. And what do you, what do you eat is what gets put in your body and you make energy out of that and it gets stored, you get your vitamins, you get your mineral, minerals, um, you get your healthy fats, which are important for um, yeah. for hormone production. And you wanna minim minimize stress, um, minimize cortisol, because that has a- back, back into the diet though, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting a well-balanced diet, how are you supposed to absorb everything? And we know that you have to eat specific amounts of like, protein and fat in order to absorb specific things. I don't know what the correlations are, but like, let's just say, if you don't have any vitamin D, then you can't absorb iron, for example. Or if you're consuming too much caffeine, it halts like iron absorption. So there's like this fine balance that you have to fine tune your diet. And it's not about whatever that Google says, just listen to your body. Eat something, if it upsets your stomach, I think you should minimize that. I'm starting to realize that relationship with me and cheese, I think, too much dairy in my body is causing gas, harm, gas, like bloatingness, and I think I have to cut back and I'm gonna in the next few weeks and I'm gonna see how I feel. So diet is really, you know, it's not, there's no fine tuning diet that everybody should be eating, you know, vegan. No, it's not for everybody, unfortunately, it's a fad. You have to listen to your body and see what you like and how do you feel day to day, your mood, based on what you're consuming. Yeah, I completely agree. Warren Buffett drinks cold beans, McDonald's, and I mean, that's He's a happy man. Way. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look the healthiest individual, but I mean, it's him through the day. I'm not saying do that, but I'm saying he has a lot of money, so if something goes goes bad, you can definitely afford to get the open heart surgery or, or something like that. You know, he's got a medical team probably on call if he needs them. But I'm saying you gotta gear diet towards you. You obviously wanna eat a little more if you're working out harder, otherwise you're just gonna be tired all day. And being tired all day isn't good because that's gonna affect your sleep, which minimizes testosterone, which decreases testosterone as well. If you constantly cannot, if you're constantly chasing sleep and you kind and you're never well rested after a night's sleep, you probably need to change your sleep schedule. Or someone, someone's going on because that's going to affect testosterone as well. Yeah, there was a University of Chicago study that took um, I think 20 plus men, and for a whole week straight they slept five hours per night, and it showed a link of uh, decrease of testosterone up to 15 percent. So when it, com when it comes to well-being, the first thing we like to tackle right away is our diet and our exercise. I think prioritize for your own self-love and self-care should be sleep. You should be getting that minimum amount, amount of seven or whatever the case might be. I think six plus is ideal for me, so to function. Yep. And on top of sleep, if you're not sleeping enough, your, your cortisol levels are high because you're stressed out and uh, cortisol and testosterone are like a seesaw. If, you know, I'm sorry, cortisol is up, testosterone is kind of going down, just like insulin and um, there's a human growth factor, the IGF, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like a seesaw. A lot of these hormones, they're they, they're like that. So you got to minimize stress and get some sleep.
the Sashbrum freaking tip number one here, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, be healthy, healthy, healthy. Another um, issue that plagues a lot of men is, is prostate issues. Uh, we hear a lot about BPH, benign uh, prosthetic hyperplasia, which basically um, affects, doesn't affect everybody yet. It's one in 12 uh, men get affected between the age of 31 and 40, and then it increases over as, as um, throughout age. But basically your prostate grows and it kind of pushes pressure on your urethra and it obstructs your, like, your urine flow, so you have trouble, trouble urinating. You know those old men in the hospital that like, drip, yeah. drip, drip, and they never empty their bladder full? Jeez, I hope I've never become that person. Yeah, that'd be rough, because you know, they can't fully empty the bladder, or they dribble each, each time, you know, and they can't get it fully out, or it just stops, and it, it's just, I mean, it, it sucks, you know. Yeah. We're not exactly sure how this happens. It just happens to some men more than others. Um, it might be a diet issue, it might be a hormone issue, we're just not 100% sure. But this this isn't cancerous. You could get like Flomax, you get, or is that what it's called, Flomax? Flomax, it's yeah. a pill. It's a medication that helps, that helps with, uh, with BPH. But it's not cancerous, it's just enlarged prostate. So yeah. you could get it removed. Can you get it removed? I'm pretty sure you can get removed prostate. You can, but there's so but, many issues. Yeah. And it, prostate is linked to sex drive and your libido goes down and things. My grandpa actually had prostate CA. And what they did is they implanted these radiation seats. Mm. So you had a little bit of radiation that was getting, you know, put and within like six months, the cancer completely went into readmission, completely disappeared. But he, you know, has, you know, we call it, there's a day like test, how's your urine stream? So that's better. But he has to wake up like two to three times a day sometimes and use the washroom. Yeah. It kind of sucks. It's rough. That's right. I know with uh, prostate cancer, one in six men get it. But the good thing about it is, is I mean, cancer, have, no, doesn't matter what kind of cancer you get, it's going to suck. But I guess the good thing about this cancer is it's usually slow growing. A lot of times it's it's caught and out of those one out of six men, only one in 35 will actually die. Which I mean, it's still unfortunate, but it's, it's a uh, slow progressing cancer that can be yeah. caught early on. So if you're a guy and you feel like you can't fully empty your bladder, you feel pressure, you, you know, you're waking up at night to pee, maybe you should go ask your doctor to go get your prostate level checked and see what the level is. Sometimes it could be inflamed and you have to switch a few things. I think a pumpkin seed supplement kind of helps with that. Not too sure, so don't quote me there. Yeah. Another issue is that I found surprising is melanoma. We have a higher rate of melanoma and a lot of we have a higher rate of uh, death associated with melanoma. Um, I guess our skin is a little bit harder and it has different, it's made out of different things and, it, and it's just kind of different membrane in general compared to females. So I guess we're more prone to getting melanoma and actually dying from it compared to females. Even though females tan more than men, we're still somehow more prone to dying from melanoma than, than women. Which I found really interesting because you know you hear a lot about skin cancer and you know you shouldn't tan, you shouldn't do this, but no one really touches up on up on like no, no, no. cancer. And I don't know what kind of tips you could get for that one, but definitely put on some sunscreen mm -hmm. and don't stay out in the sun too long. Have like a you know good exposure. If you're very high risk, if it runs in the family, avoid those times of the day when it's like you know the sun is peaking the high, which is like from 11 a.m. to like 2 or 3 p.m. So yeah, yeah. Another big one we're gonna address here is heart disease, I'm sure you've all heard about it, you've all seen it, but what I found a really crazy stat is that 80% of uh, sudden cardiac events, like MIs, occur in men. And I, I believe you kind of tested that, like most people you see come in after COVID are usually males, right? Yeah, the heart attacks. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, like I said, a lot of times we just avoid the symptoms, um, avoid the, the chest pain with exertion, we just do a little bit less. Uh, we just avoid these little issues or these little signs of saying that, hey, my heart's not as good as it used to be. and then. Bang, you get an MI and you get a heart attack and you're not the same.
you're never, you're never the same. Like your quality of life, like let's just say, if your heart attack affects, like a, you know, you get ischemic on a certain part, especially the big vessels like the LED, you know, your heart's, there's this percentage of your heart that's dead and you can't do things like you used to, you can't run, you can't exert yourself as much. So we have to be very cautious of things that can happen and we have to learn how to prevent them. One of those risk factors is smoking. Stop smoking, lose some weight, fix up your diet. These are like so simple things that we talk about, yet it's so overlooked and people do not do that because they just love to fall into their you know old habit of the same old things. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, and also like alcohol causes it, you know, diabetes plays, plays a role. I mean, coronary artery disease, um, I believe a quarter of men die from coronary artery disease due to like probably like an MI or something. Yeah. That's, that's something that could potentially be, maybe it couldn't be, can be fully avoided, avoided, but maybe you could prolong you getting an MI. So if you get an MI at like 40, you get one at 70, which I mean, I prefer living an extra 30 years, you know? That'd be nice. And let's just say you feel chest pain once in a while, or your jaw's a little numb, or you have a little bit of like numbness in your left shoulder that could kind of cause any of this, or it kind of went away, but you felt it. It doesn't hurt to go to the doctor. You get some troponins maybe checked. I, I don't know if they would do that, but you could definitely get an EKG done. Get, you know, basically had some leads put onto you. They would do a test, which would be like a scan of like your heart, you know, that electrical system. And they would see if there's any like, you know, elevated ST, you know, ST depression or whatever the case might be, just to kind of dumb it down for people. And they would possibly tell you that, hey, part of your artery is slightly occluded and it's not giving enough oxygen to one of one side of the heart. And they might do things like stent it or get it like, you know, ballooned angioplasty to give oxygen back into that side of the heart. And that's very important. And that's basically what a heart attack is. It's just lack of oxygen to a specific artery, specific side of the heart, so. Yeah, and those coronary, those are the ones that feed blood into your actual heart. You know, we all think the heart pumps blood out to our organs, but also pumps blood to itself. Yeah, it's got a function with it's it. supplying. Yeah, actually, if you go on our show notes, we list like what an electrocardiogram is, what an echo is, what a stress test is, and an angiogram if you want a little more information about that. Um, Mindfulmindset.life. Mm -hmm. And then you just click on the show notes per episode and you'll see everything there, including resources for what we talk about. Yeah, it's good stuff over there. Um, another big issue that we see is liver disease. Um, a lot of, actually, all, all the times that I've seen somebody have cirrhosis or liver failure or some kind of liver disease, it's always, I've always seen it being attributed to alcohol consumption. Drinking. And it's so prevalent, it literally makes me sad. I almost wanna give marijuana to people and take away the damn alcohol because alcohol is it's a drug and it's awesome nowadays where you know we're young in our 20s whatever age you might be 30s and it's fun where we have like a little binger we, we wake up with a hangover but we're not realizing this long-term effect of just dumping alcohol into our body it's it's bad for you yeah someone jamming outside too i know this oakland area is freaking loud you know, the liver is this giant dumpster of the body. It's detoxifying, it's um, producing bile, it's storing, you know, glycogen, it's doing all these things. And yet we're doing the thing that's causing so much harm to it. And like liver disease is nasty in the hospital. Like people, basically people, um, the liver inhibits like your, like your um, clotting factors and you have like water in your belly, they gotta get tapped like once a week sometimes, that shit drains. Um, you literally turn yellow. Yeah, you, you're, sometimes your skin is so itchy, they can't stop itching. Um, another thing is the liver converts ammonia, 
So sometimes ammonia levels increase in the body. And um, for liver patients, we give something called lactulose. All the nurses probably just like grinned a little bit because lactulose binds into ammonia and gets excreted, but it comes out of the, the rectum. So basically you're pooping diarrhea to help you get rid of your ammonia because your liver can't do it for you because you effed it up through all this freaking hardcore drinking. Yeah, the ammonia is gonna affect your brain, your nervous system, everything. It's literally your body being built up of toxins and the only way to get rid of it, the ammonia, is to give you something to make you literally poop all of it out because yeah. there's, there's nowhere, it can't go anywhere. Like your liver can't process it quick enough where I can't process it at all. And sometimes patients don't take it and they come in for this and they get something called metabolic encephalopathy. Basically it's a buildup of toxins in your body and you just like, you basically go cuckoo. <laughs> and these liver patients sometimes that we see are just bouncing off the walls, man, just saying some crazy stuff, being violent towards you, just like, sometimes you have to restrain them because we, we can't control them until the ammonia level goes down. Yeah. yeah, if you're using alcohol as a coping mechanism or something that you drink, do something that you do daily just, just to relax, take the edge off, and that's not gonna do you uh, much good in the long run. You're better off, you know, going for a walk. I know it sounds easy, easy to do, but you know, once you start going for those walks, you're gonna be less dependent on, on drinking because you're gonna be doing activity instead of drinking. Because drinking is technically an activity for you that you associate with, you know, your day's done, you can relax. You're basically associating alcohol with a good time and like a, something to do as a pastime to relax. Yeah, it's like, um opioids and you have a patient that doesn't want to take narco for pain because they're scared that this drug they're going to get addicted because they hear about it well i'm like well i have a question for you are you taking it to get high or are you taking it because you have pain when you take something for pain you're not going to get addicted to it if you're taking something to get a high from that's where the risk of addiction could happen so and back to what you were saying as well when it comes to like the coping stuff, like people do not like to sit quiet with their thoughts and analyze what they're thinking. Instead, you know, they go they go from stimuli to stimuli. They go from work, it was stressful, they come home and then you know they're stimuli, which is a quick little alcohol, it gives you like a little high, whatever the case might be, and rinse repeat. And you never you're coping externally, you're not learning how to cope within, which is internally. And that's where the whole battle is. And, you know, we talk about the mind so much. Yeah, it makes you feel good and it's addictive. So, you know, it's like sugar almost, but probably a little bit worse, you know. It's just something you get used to and you just keep doing it over and over again. And, you know, you build a dependence, you build a tolerance, you gotta need more and more and more, and then bang, you deliver it, you die. Yeah, you die right away. Stop drinking, guys, simple. Do some other stuff, I don't know what it is. Don't do drugs though. <laughs> Yeah, and drink a lot of times uh, if you're an alcoholic, you're, you're lonely, you're more predisposed to suicide. Um, suicide has been on the rise for, for both sexes, but um, majority um, of deaths with suicide are occurring men. Um, suicide actually jumped from 19 to 22.4 per 100,000 individuals and in men. So 20, 22 point, it's almost 25%. Not to, sorry, not 25 percent. 22, almost 25 out of 100,000 people commit suicide. Yeah. That are men. And on top of that, men are three times more likely than women. And probably because they don't like to open up, guys. So it's okay to share your damn feelings. Mm -hmm. You guys are all like, I feel like as a man, sometimes we're thinking like we have to be this rock. And we are, right? Where we have more strength and all that. I'm not gonna talk about equality and all that, but like, you know, we kind of built so much and we feel like we, have to like live up to that and we're not we're not opening up to people or 
telling how we feel and then maybe somebody could give you a perspective that could completely change your life but yet you want to hold that in yeah yeah if something upsets you and you keep doing that thing over and over again and you don't tell anybody that it's upsetting you you know it, it like drains you down like you hate doing that thing let's say um like i mean for example like you hate your job i mean it's kind of hard to change but definitely change it but if it if you hate your job and you come home and you drink and then you beat yourself down because you gotta wake up in the morning, that's not healthy at all. That's what you should be doing at all. You should, you know, settle for less income and get something that you'd be more pleasurable with. Well, we're so stuck on this, like keep advancing, keep leveling up, keep grinding, and we never, we never think about that maybe we should drop down a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.